With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to talk about free agency day number one. It's technically not free agency yet, but it is the legal tampering period. And so for that, of course, as always, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, this is an interesting first day of free agency or not technically first day of free agency, first day of the legal tampering period. A lot went down today. Oh, yes. The annual tradition of fire the GM an hour into the legal tampering period and then only to be calmed down when they actually do make a signing or two. Uh, the, the, the annual tradition every year you get all worked up in arms because they haven't signed 12 players at 1201. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of used to this. And also at the same time, always somehow stunned by the way people react to this day to be fair last year the jets didn't do that much in free agency period i guess the big move would have been Connor mcgovern beyond that it was kind of minor and this year the jets were expected to do a lot more because of all the cap space that they have and all the needs that they've got 
And so we knew that they were going to be in the market for an edge rusher. They were going to be in the market for interior offensive line. They were going to be in the market for wide receivers. Now, I think a lot of the reason that people got frustrated early on, Chris, is because for whatever reason, people had talked themselves into Joe Tooney being a foregone conclusion coming here, that Joe Douglas was going to go all out to get him, and that apparently no other team was going to make a big offer. What I kept trying to explain to people is that while I did expect Joe Tooney to be the Jets' first priority, and it sounds like he was, there were going to be other teams in the mix. And as I always like to say, you have to remember there are 31 other teams that are bidding for free agents. And especially when you're talking about an elite free agent like Joe Tooney, somebody who's one of the best guards in the league, who's still young and who hasn't had any injuries, that's a guy that's going to attract a ton of interest from a bunch of different teams. It wasn't just going to be the Jets. And if they made a big offer, there could be other teams that would be in the same ballpark. And if they were better or had a more attractive situation, then Tooney could opt to go there instead, which is exactly what happened. It sounds like the Jets were very much in the mix in terms of making a competitive offer, but when you're talking about a team like the Jets, who have a long way to go for being real about this, and the Kansas City Chiefs, who just went to the Super Bowl for the second straight time, have the best player in the league as their quarterback, who's young and should be there for a really long time, and a team that looks like they're built to go right back to the Super Bowl, Seems like an easy choice if you're Joe Tooney, if the money is even comparable, and it was. He signed a five-year, $80 million deal. So I think that's why a lot of Jets fans got angry very early on, because that was the guy that they were banking on. And when that didn't happen, in their minds, they started to play out the doomsday scenarios. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And I was saying this because I was having fun with some people on Twitter, and I totally get the disappointment. Um, and being upset Dooney didn't sign there. That's, there's a difference between being upset at that and criticizing Joe Douglas because he couldn't land Dooney, though, because of everything you just said. Um, I was saying the same thing. I'm like, you know that the players have a choice in this, right? Like, you know <laughs> that Joe Douglas can't just say, I'm signing you, and you don't – you have to come here. That's not how it works. And – I wouldn't have been surprised if Thune took less to go to the Chiefs, but he got $80 million and gets to play with Patrick Mahomes. And this is another thing that I think uh, it's like a trend that's going in the NFL. Uh, you know, usually it's the wide receivers who and free agency who are mostly worried about the quarterbacks. O-lines didn't used to worry about it as much. But so much of an offensive lineman's uh, money and their value is tied up into their sack rate and what they might give up on sacks. They don't want to go play with a possible skittish running quarterback that's going to, uh, you know, run themselves into sacks. And then, of course, he gets to go play with the best quarterback in the NFL. <clears throat> so that's that was an easy decision. And from what I've been told that. Joe Douglas was that was his their priority. We've been, we've all been talking about this, um, and they were making very competitive offer. At, but they realized at one point they were like, "We're not getting him," and they were like, "Let's take one more run and see what happens." And the response they got was basically, "Cute, cute, cute try, guys." Like that's basically the response that they got. Um, so at that point, they said, all right, we're not getting them, and we're turning our attention elsewhere. 
And that's one of the things you have to do in free agency. You have to make those types of decisions. You can't afford to just keep going after him forever and ever and then lose out and then maybe miss the boat on somebody else. <clears throat> so they realized they weren't going to get him. Um, and now the Corey Lindsley thing, if, if, that, if you want to criticize that, that's fair to criticize because it turns out that they really weren't in on him at all. And as the what's being pumped out there now uh, is that they're comfortable with McGovern at center, and they think that they're gonna he's gonna do really well <clears throat> in this new system, and he'll be fine. So they're they're good there. Um, but if you want to you want to criticize them for not going after Lindsley, that that's fine. Um, I don't I don't think he would have probably. Uh, been the highest bidder there exactly. It looked like a reasonable deal. I forget the exact numbers, but even then, you you have no uh, uh, confidence that he would choose here either. He's going to LA, play with his old O line coach, and Justin Herbert's there. That's a better spot there. So <clears throat> the uh, offensive line position was is tricky this year, especially because there's there was really three guys that. Uh, that you were hoping for. And once they're gone or there was those two guys. And then I was thinking uh, David Andrews could have been a, a the center for the Patriots could have been another option. But again, it sounds like they're not looking for a center. Um, so there's really those two guys that you could have been thinking about. I was thinking three, it's very easy to miss out on them. That's why I, like people were saying, why are you so confident that the Jets will still sign a receiver? Well, because there was like seven of them out there, I and that seven of them that they that would fit with the Jets, and I think they're going to get one of them. They're, that's easier to land when you have that money. When there's just two offensive linemen, you're talking about, and really for Joe Douglas, it was Stoney. Um, and again, I expect the Jets to still sign inside offensive linemen. They'll still sign some other players, but. The big names, the guys that you can feel comfortable are going to fix, help fix the offensive line right away. That they're gone. They're going to have to. <clears throat> he's going to have to turn his attention to the draft for that. But that that's it. There was that one one guy out there that they really wanted, and they weren't able to land him because he had again he got eighty million to go to the Chiefs. I I would have wouldn't be surprised if he took less, but he still got eighty million to go there. There's there's nothing he can do about that. The only thing Joe Douglas can do about that <clears throat> is make this team better. So the next time a Joe Thune is available, this is a more appealing place for that player. That's that's the only thing you can do about that situation. So again, I, I totally understand being disappointed and losing out on Thune, but I was laughing <clears throat> at the Joe Douglas is sleeping. He's not even trying. What is he doing? Like it was just like, all right, relax guys. He's he's doing something here. And just because Joe Thune didn't sign here doesn't mean he's not trying anything at all. I think a lot of people were frustrated just because the idea was that Tooney and Lindsley were the only guys that would represent a significant upgrade on the interior offensive line. And that was an area that was identified as something that the Jets absolutely needed to fix. There is still one guy that's available that could represent a significant upgrade. And we'll talk about him in a little bit when we get to guys that are still available but the Jets did strike by getting Jared Davis, a linebacker who was picked in the first round in 2017. 
And he had a really nice year in limited action last year. He had a 72 grade in pass coverage, according to PFF. So this is somebody that kind of fits what you would think Robert Sala would want from an inside linebacker, somebody that can cover and really be able to flourish all the way around in his defense. And while Davis wasn't exactly a huge name and it's not some sort of home run move, on a one-year deal for a $5.5 million base salary that could go all the way up to $7 million, this wasn't bad. He's still young, only 26 years old, and we'll see if he continues to take a step forward now that he's here with the Jets and with Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich. I decided to do. I decided to go back and look at um, the scouting reports when he was coming out of college. Because let's just get this out of the way. His overall time in Detroit was not good. No. Um, now, I had been hearing his name mentioned, not uh, just in connection with the Jets. People were telling me some there. But it was that he was going to have a competitive market and teams interested in him because a lot of teams around the league thought he wasn't used correctly um, in Detroit. And they thought in a different system with, uh, being used differently, he could still be really good. So I said, you know what, let me go back and look at some scouting reports on him. Because I have vague recollection of him scouting, but I also knew the Jets weren't taking him, uh, so I, I didn't go deep in it. Um, and the what I found, I looked at five different scouting reports, and I'm only going to say stuff that I worst common in each of them. Um, elite speed and explosiveness, changes direction and flash, willing to take on, deliver, blow bigger to blockers, uh, viable pass rusher, everybody, uh, especially about inside blitzes, can close in a hurry going forward, can be an asset in defense and short zones and spiral, <laughs> really quick and tough, um, can move, run with tight ends and uh, running backs down the field, flips his hips, without breaking stride and looking to find the ball and a weapon in the blitz game. Big concerns was out of control with his tackles, bad angles, tends to overrun things. Uh, has the physical traits to play in coverage, tends to misdiagnose targets, lose his man. Will get caught up playing too close to the line of scrimmage, get caught off easily. <clears throat> um, and that's basically those concerns are all things you saw in Detroit. Um, there's a really good piece. If you want to uh, Google it, I saw uh, Joe Marino, of the draft network uh, wrote about it. Um about why what went wrong with Jared Davis, and it's basically the, all those concerns I just read to you. Um, and he's he talks a lot about how you know there was a little bit with the Terrell, Terrell Austin when he was the D coordinator, <clears throat> but then it just kind of got lost when Patricia took over, and so that's where teams think that they can there can be something there, and uh, obviously Robert Sala thinks that, <clears throat> and you know. A, but a one-year deal, who cares? It's worth a shot. Uh, First-round pick, that high. You know the athleticism is there, the value. Um, he, There's something there, and Robert Sala thinks he can work with it. Now, you know, we've seen, especially uh, corner uh, linebackers that struggle in coverage, we've seen plenty of that here. Um, and, and we've seen that and that is definitely something – that there's players that have the athletic ability to do that, but not the mental part of it now. So it, it's going to be a task for Robert Sala to really get something out of him. But at, at that price with the cap money they have, it's absolutely worth it. 
and go ahead, take a chance on them, see what happens. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you hope you get the best out of him. You can get him playing <clears throat> close to a first-round level. Uh, but, obviously, again, Robert Salah saw something in him, brought him in. It's, it's There's nothing – you can have all your doubts about it, but at 5.5 cap hit, it's worth a shot. And I think a lot of Jets fans started to get frustrated when they thought that would be the big move of the day when other players started to come off the board, players that had been associated with the Jets. The Patriots went out and their strategy today was crazy. As I said on Twitter, they basically were me when I'm at Wegmans. They were buying up everything in sight. The two big moves that they made that I did like, the rest of them not so much, were Matthew Judon, I think he's going to do well there, and Johnny Smith, the tight end. Both of those guys had at points been mentioned as possibilities for the Jets. They end up going to the Patriots. Shaq Barrett was never in play. He went back to Tampa. That was what was expected. Leonard Floyd goes back to the Rams. There was talk that the Giants might be able to get him. That didn't happen. So we started to hear that the guy that the Jets were really zeroing in on was Trey Hendrickson, the edge rusher from the New Orleans Saints. And there was a lot of debate as to whether or not that was going to be a smart move. We know that he had 13 and a half sacks last year, but he had an insanely high conversion rate from pressures to sacks, and we're going to get into this in a little bit with the edge rusher that the Jets actually did sign. And Hendrickson seemed to be a little bit of a mirage on paper. You went back and watched some of his sacks. They weren't all one-on-one wins. In fact, a lot of them weren't. So you wondered if he was a one-year wonder, if he was a product of the system, and if paying him was going to be worth it. Obviously, no matter what, he was going to be an upgrade over what they had. But this was the guy that it looked like they were going to be zooming in on because other guys were going off the board at this time in addition to the ones that I already mentioned. Yannick Ngakwe ends up going to the Raiders. Romeo Arquara goes off the board, staying in Detroit. So there were a lot of edge rushers that were coming off the board, and people were wondering if the Jets were going to be able to strike and start to look like Trey Hendrickson was going to be a battle between the Jets and a couple of other teams. And then we heard about the second move that the Jets made because we're talking about wide receiver and everybody was saying, what are they going to do there? If they weren't able to get Joe Tooney or if we were hearing that they were having trouble luring guys here because of the uncertainty with the offense, particularly a quarterback, were they going to be able to get a top flight wide receiver? And in fact, I suggested that if they weren't able to make a big move at wide receiver, that Joe Douglas would be wise to call the Bears and investigate a trade for Allen Robinson because we know that Robinson has spoken very highly of New York, seems to really be fond of Zach Wilson, somebody that could potentially actually want to be here. So if they missed out on the other receivers, then maybe you call the Bears and see what it would take to get Robinson in a trade. But then the Jets went out and they were able to get Corey Davis. And it's interesting, Chris, because for all the talk about these wide receivers, Davis was the first notable one off the board because Juju is still unsigned as of this moment. Kenny Galladay still unsigned as of this moment. Curtis Samuel still unsigned as of this moment. So all of those guys are still available. Corey Davis ends up getting signed by the New York Jets 
And the terms were actually fairly solid. He gets $37.5 million over three years. So that's an average of just over $12 million a year and $27 million guaranteed. And he's a fascinating story because, Chris, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, he's been a disappointment for the most part in Tennessee. He had a decent sophomore season, regressed again in his third year to the point where they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, which is surprising because he was picked fifth in the 2017 draft, so ahead of Jamal Adams, and it goes without saying, ahead of both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. But this year with the fifth-year option off the table and more or less playing for a contract, he played really, really well. He would have had 1,000 yards if he hadn't missed two games. In fact, he was on the pup list in the preseason because of coronavirus, so there was question as to what was even going to go on during the season, but in a run-heavy offense, he produced really well, had a career high in yards, and he had a career high in touchdowns as well. And so if you look at what he did, according to PFF, he really stood out not just with what you and I talked about before we started recording, Chris, his physicality, because he's an excellent run blocker. So he and Denzel Mims are going to be a fun tandem to watch. But he was very, very efficient, averaged 2.8 yards per route, which was fifth in the league among qualifying receivers who ran 150 routes or more. And he also had an 86.9 grade, which ranked him eighth and a 126.3 passer rating when being targeted, which was also eighth among wide receivers. So a breakout season for Corey Davis, only 26 years old. And the bet here is that he's an ascending player who has room to continue to get better. It's possible that this was his peak and maybe he overperformed in a contract year. But at 26 years old, with all the skills and the tools that we knew that he had being picked at number five, and having that breakout year, this seems like a solid wager on a young guy who could have his best football in front of him. Yeah, so I haven't been on Twitter too much. And yesterday I decided to uh, scroll around, do some lurking on Twitter to see where everyone's head was at. And I saw everyone talking about Galladay and Juju and, you know, and Curtis Samuel and uh, you know John U- John U. Smith, another one that I understand the Jets fans being upset about missing out on, but he wasn't going to turn that that money down from the Patriots. Um, uh, so you're gonna, I'm sitting there looking at people talk about that, and I was like, I'm not seeing enough Corey Davis uh, talk here. And so I tweeted out this morning, one guy I'm not seeing enough uh, talked about, and so that made me look pretty good. But I, I said that for a reason. Uh, I, he makes a lot of sense for me, especially, again, uh, I, I still am a believer that Joe Douglas doesn't want to get into paying that much money in free agency for like the, the top, top uh, receivers. So Corey Davis isn't going to be that expensive. 6'3", 205 pounds, knows how to use every inch and in pound of that body. Uh, I watched a ton of the Titans last year, uh, partly because they're just a really fun, they were a really fun offense to watch, and partially because I was watching everything Arthur Smith did and uh, watching that offense. And you pointed out that was a run-heavy, run-first offense, and he put up those numbers still. And the way that uh, – it, it's a weird thing because part I, I – 
he obviously got helped by having getting to play with AJ Brown and the fact that the Titans spread the ball around and having Derrick Henry. But I think that also hurt his numbers. And when I was watching the Titans last year, um, he, he was good, man. Like he knows how to use his body. And you mentioned the run blocking. He's excellent at that. You can put him at the X and then you can sit there. Even just right now, uh, Mims, uh, Davis, and Crowder is, is a really solid starting three receivers. You add some more in the draft or you add a Curtis Samuel or Juju. This can be a really good receiving core for uh, a rookie quarterback to work with. And then, of course, Joe Douglas can still build it out over time even more so. Um, again, he's a big body. Uh, he can be that possession type receiver, the red zone threat. Uh, he can present a huge target. And he knows how to use that body to shield defenders away. <laughs> it. For the price, it, like I just think it's, uh, I think it has potential to be a great value signing to end up as that, because of the fact that he still has room to grow. Um, you know, he was obviously really raw coming out of college. Everyone knew that, but it was still a disappointment how it all turned out for him. I think it's worth the bet that they made. They, if he is 80% of what he was last year, the contract will be okay. Fine. Cool. It worked. It was good. Uh, he did some good things, not as good as we would have liked, uh, but there's still potential for him to really out, uh, do this contract. So I think it's a really good signing. And again, I just think that having that big target for the rookie quarterback to deal with, it, that's huge. That's something that is, going to be a big help to a quarterback to have that guy out there those long arms that wide frame to know that he has a range to throw it doesn't have to be the most pinpoint accurate thing I just think that's that's something that they really needed Kenny Galladay is a better receiver there's no doubt um but again I don't think that Joe Douglas was really wants to pay all that much money in receiver at this point, and I think Corey Davis just makes a lot of sense. And so after that, people were starting to calm down a little bit. And then the Jets made their biggest move of the day, the one that made people switch from is Joe Douglas asleep to Joe Douglas is the man, and that move was signing an edge rusher. But it wasn't the one that we were told the Jets were going after and zeroing in on all day, Trey Hendrickson. Instead, it was Carl Lawson. And the interesting thing about Carl Lawson, Chris, and you and I have talked about this, Carl Lawson is somebody who is a really, really good edge rusher, but he doesn't put up the kind of stats that people are looking for from an edge rusher in the sack category. In fact, this past year, he only had five and a half sacks, but he also was near the top of the league in pressures. He was fourth among all edge rushers in total pressures with 64. And again, like both Davises that the Jets signed, this is a young player, 26 years old by the time week one rolls around. And so you're looking at three guys the Jets have added here who are 26 and look to be ascending. Now, Jared Davis, not as much, but the key component there is that the Jets clearly agree with the other people who believe that Jared Davis was the victim of being misused in Detroit. 
with Corey Davis and with Carl Lawson, they both had their best season in 2020. And the idea here is that you're looking at very talented players who have the potential to become even better than they already are. And the comparison that's been made with Carl Lawson, and I think it's an interesting one, is Darius Smith. Now, when Green Bay signs Darius Smith away from Baltimore, you looked at it and you said, okay, here are his sack totals. 5.5, 1 3.5, 8.5. That's fine, but what is that really worth on the open market, right? Well, ever since, he goes to Green Bay, 13.5 sacks, 12.5 sacks, and more importantly, you look at stats like QB hits, and those are way up. The pressure numbers are up as well. So he took his game to a new level, and what Green Bay was doing was they were betting on the fact that the year before they got him, he had eight and a half sacks and 25 QB hits, which was a significant jump from the first three years of his career. And Carl Lawson had a really good year last year too, but this year was his best year by far, and he seems to be trending upwards. And I think that's what the Jets really liked, and they think he's a guy that can give them their best edge rusher since at least Calvin Pace, which is huge because, Chris, as we know, this is a position that they've ignored for way too long. Lawson gives them a legitimate player there. Whether he becomes Darius Smith, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But even if he just becomes Calvin Pace, that would be a big win for the Jets here. Three years, $45 million. That's not that big of a deal when you're talking about a player who plays the most important position on defense, and either the second or third most important position on the football field. It's either edge rusher or left tackle, whichever one you decide is more important for your particular situation. You could debate that one one way or the other. Everybody knows quarterback is number one. But I like this move a lot. I think you could make a credible case that Lawson was the second best edge rusher in free agency after Shaq Barrett, who really wasn't available anyway. Everybody knew that he was going to be going back to Tampa. So I think this was a huge move for Joe Douglas. It's something that this team has needed for a long time. And it really takes a lot of the pressure off too, because now with Lawson and with Davis, you look at this and say they were going to be desperate going into the draft for help at wide receiver. Now, yeah, they could use some help, but they're not desperate. They were going to be desperate going into the draft, needing help at edge rusher. But now they've got Lawson, and so that position seems to be locked down from one end, and they might be able to get somebody else in free agency or even a guy in the mid-rounds, and they don't have to go into the draft feeling like they absolutely have to get themselves an edge rusher. So three players, all of them young, all of them seem to have a lot of potential to improve based on varying circumstances and Lawson appears to be the crown jewel of the three that they landed on day one. Yeah. Uh, Lawson is just an excellent player. Uh, he is, he is a technician. He's got really strong hands, chop uh, the way uh, power, the way he can convert speed to power. Um, he he can do you know his swim moves. He used his long arms. Um, the one bad thing really about him is he's not great against the run. Who cares? Um, but he he gives something that the Jets haven't had in a really long time. Um, he gives them a presence off the edge. Um, he he is he's a playmaker. He can wreak havoc. 
on offensive lines. He can really like throw off the timing and the rhythm of entire play and just completely destroy a drive just because of that. Like he has that ability. And again, the jets have not had that in decades. Um, So (laughs) getting a player like him, is so huge for this defense, especially Robert Sala, you know, it's so weird to think about like Rex Ryan and Todd Bowles were both the head coaches here for a long time. And neither of them were able to get like an actually good edge rusher. Um, But they're both defensive guys who you would expect would make that a priority. Robert Zala was like, no, this we're making this a priority now. Um, so th- you have to be happy about that. And your your point about the, uh, you know, Corey Davis and him and they don't, they're not pressed on positions. This is one thing I noticed with uh, that a lot of fans, part of the freak out is they still, I, I know fans are smart enough to know that this isn't going to be like a magic rebuild uh, in just one off season. And they're just going to be a playoff team. But too many of the reactions were just based on just this year, the reaction for what it'll mean on opening day this year. And he's taking a much longer approach. And all these moves aren't about this year. It's about this year and beyond. But that to get those guys uh, needs absolute needs right off the bat is a huge help because that's what it keeps. Everybody wants to do, you know, build the addition to the house, but the house isn't on a solid enough foundation yet. These are the building blocks. These are the building blocks to the foundation. These are what will get you, to be a better team next year. And then we'll attract more free agents the next off season. That's why you just got to try to land a couple of these guys when you do, when you have the chance and Carl Lawson, again, just, you're going to have so much fun watching him play. He is a disruptor and will just cause absolute havoc at times. And that's a player that the Jets defense desperately needs and to, to be able to put him next to Quinn Williams <clears throat> with uh, Jonathan Franklin Myers with adding more pieces you know adding you can even bring back a Kerry Hyder uh, uh, bring him back uh, he played with 49ers and Robert Sala last year bring him back uh, add some more pieces for uh, that D-line is going to be really good now obviously <clears throat> They got to fill out almost everything behind that still. Um, But that's a really good start. And we know that's what both Joe Douglas and Robert Sala want. Um, They needed that edge guy. Robert Sala needs that for his defense. So you're not going to get the full complete vision of what Robert Sala wants in his defense next year. But that's the biggest tentpole for this defense right there is a player like Carl Lawson. If he can stay healthy, that's going to be the huge tentpole. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, let's talk about some of the top free agents and where they went, and then we'll talk about some of the guys that are still available that the Jets might be able to target on day two and beyond here in free agency. So I mentioned Shaq Barrett before. He gets four years, $72 million, $18 million per, which is right around the amount of money that Tom Brady freed up when he did his restructure. So they all knew what was going on there. Barrett stays. Not a big surprise. Beyond that, we talked about Johnny Smith. He ends up with the Patriots. John Johnson, I really like this move. One of the better safeties in the league. Three years, $33 million with the Browns. That was a much-needed move. Bud Dupree, on the subject of edge rushers, he gets a five-year, $82.5 million deal with Tennessee. That is a lot of money, especially for a guy who's coming back from an injury. Trey Hendrickson, who I mentioned before that everybody thought the Jets we're going to be a leading contender for. He ends up going to the Bengals to, ironically, replace Carl Lawson. Lawson got three years, $45 million. Hendrickson, four years, $60 million. So the Bengals clearly believe that Hendrickson is an upgrade over Carl Lawson. Rob Gronkowski goes back to the Bucks. No big surprise there. He was either going to do that or retire. He said many, many times that he's either going to play with Tom Brady or he's not going to play at all. Yannick Ngakwe, two years, $26 million. You want to talk about a guy whose stock has fallen and whose value has gone down. A couple of years ago, you would have thought he'd have gotten Khalil Mack money, but over the last few years, he's really started to fade. He hasn't been as effective as a pass rusher, and so he hopes to revive his career in Las Vegas 
with John Gruden and the Raiders. Jameis Winston signs with the Saints. He stays there on a one-year deal for $12 million. He'll battle Taysom Hill, but you got to imagine that he's going to end up as the starter. Leonard Floyd, four years, $64 million to stay with the Rams. Had a really nice year there after struggling with Chicago after Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley left. So the hope there is that he continues to play as well with the Rams without Staley as he did when Staley was there now that Staley moved on to be the head coach of the Chargers. Nelson Aguilar, two years, $26 million. That's a lot of money for Aguilar. I like the fact that he's fiery and he called out the locker room and he did have a good year with the Raiders, but man, I don't know. Based on his history, that seems like a lot of money for a player that's not that good. Ronald Darby signs a three-year, $30 million deal with the Broncos. He's had injury issues. He's been good in the past. Seems like a worthwhile gamble, especially a cornerback where they needed somebody. So not a bad move there by the Broncos. Jalen Mills, four years, $24 million with the Patriots. Again, another strange move. They made a bunch of them today, including Kendrick Bourne. And Chris, you and I were joking. Apparently, a lot of Jets fans were upset about that for some reason. But Kendrick Bourne gets a three-year, $22.5 million deal. It's weird because beyond Judon and Jonu Smith, this felt like a really strange free agency for the Patriots where they were just throwing a bunch of stuff up against the wall. So those were the majority of the major free agents that signed today in day number one. Any deals that stood out to you positively or negatively before we get into some of the guys that are still on the board that the Jets could target in day two and beyond? The Patriots. Both both apply to the Patriots. Everything the Patriots did. Because uh, I love the John U. Smith signing. I like the Judon signing. Um, I like the Jalen Mills signing for them, actually, too, because – he was terrible as a cornerback. He he played pretty well, I thought, as a safety last year. And I just think that uh, that's the type of Bel- a player Belichick will use and get the most out of. I do like that signing, the uh, the Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Board signing. Or yeah, I don't know about that. It was funny because it was right when uh, it, after the Jared Davis signing, but before Corey Davis. So fans were freaking out. And the uh, someone mentioned Kendrick Bourne as an option for the Jets, and then some fans started getting super upset that they were going to miss out on Kendrick Bourne, and they couldn't stop laughing. Uh, could not stop laughing that, like, there's 13 receivers in this draft that are going to be better than Kendrick Bourne. Really, calm down. Like, <clears throat> um, so everything involving the Patriots is really uh, the highlight for me. There, there's some other things I could I could talk about, but you know, it, it was also kind of a a, a low key. It was if, if there wasn't a lot of surprises or a lot of flash. Seeing the Patriots spend wild recklessly, that that's it. That's got to be the takeaway. Otherwise, from me, it's uh, the Patriot way is dead. It is no more. They have to spend free crazy free agent money, just like everyone else now. To be fair, Chris, I think Danny Amendola hit the nail on the head when he said there is no Patriot way. There's the Tom Brady way, and that way is now in Tampa, not in New England. Because if you look at what Tampa did, they kept everybody together. The only one they're waiting on right now is Antonio Brown. But all the other key pieces that they needed to keep, Levante David, Shaquille Barrett, Chris Godwin, 
they're all back. Even Gronk is back. So there's something to be said for the Tom Brady way. He finds every imaginable avenue to keep the key pieces in place. And it looks like he's done it again. Tampa has to be considered the odds on favorite once again to go to the Super Bowl, at least on paper, because of the fact that all those key players are still there. Let's talk about some of the guys that are on the board that haven't signed anywhere yet. William Jackson is a fascinating one. I think he's one of the best corners on the market. Only 28 years old. I've said many times I think he could be this year's James Bradbury where somebody gives him a pretty hefty contract and a lot of people shake their heads until Jackson goes out there and earns it the way that Bradbury did with the Giants last year. So that's a guy to keep your eye on. Trent Williams at the top of the list. I don't think there's any way he's coming to the Jets, number one. I don't think they're going to pay him $20 million a year. And number two, I don't think he wants to play right tackle. Kenny Galladay, who the Jets were thought to be in on, now probably not with the signing of Corey Davis, but you never know. It depends on the price point. If his market doesn't heat up the way that people are expecting, maybe Joe Douglas gets back in on that. Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't really think the Jets are going to be in on him either. I just think he's going to cost too much money, and I don't know that he offers them much of an upgrade over what Jamison Crowder gives them anyway. Chris Carson, the running back, I'm sure the Jets would like to upgrade at running back, but I don't know that they're going to be spending big on Chris Carson. Should also say, by the way, that Josh Adams re-signed on a one-year deal, which I was happy to see because I think Adams showed a lot of potential with the Jets last year, and more importantly, I thought he showed a lot of potential Potential with the Eagles a couple of years ago when he really got a chance. Hunter Henry, the tight end, still available. I don't really think the Jets are going to be in on him either. Just too much money that he's going to be commanding for a tight end. I don't see the Jets paying him. Curtis Samuel is interesting. I think you can make a case that even with Davis, if you add Samuel, because he's more than just a wide receiver, they line him up in so many different ways, and he would be perfect for what the Shanahan offense calls for. Maybe the Jets still make a run at him even though they paid Corey Davis. Will Fuller, I think he's probably out of the picture, and quite frankly, I've said this many times, there's no way that the Jets should sign Will Fuller. He's missed five or more games in each of the last four seasons. You cannot pay money to a guy like that. Jadavion Clowney, I said this to you before we started recording, Chris. I don't know whether or not he's a Joe Douglas or Robert Sala kind of guy, but considering that his stock is as low as it's ever been, if they could get him on a one-year deal for relatively cheap, let's say one-year $10 million, one-year $12 million, something along those lines, I'd absolutely consider it. Could you imagine bringing him and Carl Lawson in? What a major upgrade that would be. Clowney has never been an elite pass rusher. He's always just been an okay pass rusher, but he is better than what they've had. And he's an elite run defender. So if you could get him for relatively cheap, why not? Carlos Dunlap still available. Shaquille Griffin is still available. So there are players that could be had here on the open market that could absolutely make an impact for the Jets. I'm curious to hear what you think they're going to do on day number two here. And one name that I think they should absolutely take a look at is Trey Turner. Now, I know Trey Turner had a rough year last year and he was battling injuries, but he's a guy that was a five-time Pro Bowler. He's still only 28 years old. And considering how bad the Jets' guard situation is right now, if they can get him on a reasonable contract, that's a guy that I absolutely would target if I was Joe Douglas. I know that there are some Coleccio Semele kind of vibes there because if you remember, Semele was dominant at one point 
with the Raiders, and then he took that step back with the injuries, and he came in with the Jets and just wasn't the same player. He did rebound a little bit last year, but I think that Turner is somebody that they should look at because if you look at the interior offensive line list, there's really nobody left other than Turner that would make sense for them. Yeah, Turner... You know, that tr- when they traded for him last year, like that trade didn't really make sense for either team at the time. And then they traded for him last year and then they already gave up on him. Um, it just it just makes me skeptical and makes me think that there, it, there's nothing there anymore. But depending on what the cost is, uh, kick the tires, you know, if, especially if you can – get it uh, no guaranteed or super low guaranteed. I don't know what type of market. Um, So I won't rule it out, but, uh, you know, paying anything like serious guaranteed, I I don't know how far I'd be willing to go. But uh, although I did watch the Chargers to watch Herbert last year, I admittedly wasn't paying much close attention to Trey Turner. So um, I, I don't remember what I was thinking, but I do remember watching thinking that entire offensive line was bad, just bad. So um, as for what I could still be looking at, uh, we'll start with, I think running back, I, I still think Jamal Williams is an option here. Uh, mm-hmm. The Aaron Jones's backup in Green Bay would be a perfect fit in the system, LaFleur, the, the brothers LaFleur system. Um, so I think that would work. And, he was really good behind Aaron Jones. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on him. You could get him uh, for not a, a, a super high number. It's not going to cost you anything crazy. And you can hope that he can take over and be uh, the lead running back. And they brought back Josh Adams. You got Ty Johnson, Josh Adams. I think that would be a, a good one, two, three uh, group right there. Of course, they they could wait and try to draft one, but I think Jamal Williams makes sense at a reasonable number. Um, I, I agree with you. I, on Hunter Henry, I don't, I don't see the jets doing that. Um, it would make sense just to try to get uh, the rookie quarterback, a, uh, a receiving tight end. I would thought they would have been in on John Smith, but again, going to Belichick with that type of contract, the tight ends aren't going to turn that down. Um, receiver, I, again, I think Kevin Galladay is going to be too much. <clears throat> I won't completely rule it out because I, I could see the value in it, but I don't think that Joe Douglas will be the highest bidder there. I think Curtis Samuel and Juju Smith-Schuster make a, a ton of sense. Um, I, I like Curtis Samuel a lot more. Um, I've been talking about Curtis Samuel since b- before the Jets even got rid of Robbie at go and trade for Curtis Samuel. Um, I think that you can use him in so many ways and he won't cost so much that I think that would make a lot of sense for them. And it it would be a perfect fit for this offense too. He's just, you know, not quite as incredibly tough as uh, Debo Samuel receiver wise, but he'd be basically uh, filling the Debo role here. Um, I, so I think those are still a possible options at receiver. Um, you know, we just we talked about Trey Turner on the offensive line. I'm sure they'll add a couple depth pieces on the offensive line, but I don't have any names for you. I don't think it's going to be anybody uh, – there. there isn't anybody left that you're going to be like, yes, that's it. That's going to do it for us. Um, you know, I think they could still add some depth pieces 
obviously uh, an edge and linebacker. I think the <clears throat> really at this point, a cornerback, you're hoping that they get uh, Kwan Williams uh, from the 49ers. <clears throat> Patterson native, so he played with Robert Sala. Robert Sala really wants him. They're going after him. I know the 49ers are making a push to keep him. They're really trying hard to keep him. <clears throat> so, But he would fill in uh, for Brian Poole. But there really isn't a, an obvious answer outside corner uh, to go ahead and snatch up. So I think that's a position that they're just not likely to be able to fill this year. And free agency, they'll look to the draft for it and uh, patch it together as best they can. So I, I think for the most part, <clears throat> the big if you're still focusing on big names, your best chance is probably one of those two receivers. I think mostly it's going to be a lot. <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to be a lot of depth from here on out. I think you're right, Chris. Kwan Williams and Jamal Williams would make a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kerry Hyder in the mix either, and certainly Akilo Weatherspoon could be a possibility at cornerback too. So those are some guys to keep in mind as we head into day number two of free agency. But a big impact made by Joe Douglas in day number one of free agency or the unofficial start of free agency, the legal tampering period. As Jim Ross always likes to say, Bitness was about to pick up today, and it certainly did for Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and the New York Jets. Chris Nimbley covering the Jets over at JetsInsider.com. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. I'm sure you got plenty of stuff over at JetsInsider.com about everything that went down today, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got Jack uh, writing the recap article from today. I'll have some more stuff up tomorrow, obviously, uh, you know, with more signings, we'll have more stuff coming on. And then from there, we'll start uh, focusing on the areas to target in the draft and start uh, pumping out all the draft content too. Um, but yeah, just we'll see about how tomorrow goes and uh, hope that I still have a roof over my head tomorrow because I got to get a brand new roof put on. Uh, so when I'm talking to you tomorrow, I might not have a roof, but hey, we're going to do it anyway. And let's, let's see how this goes. Plenty of stuff up at playlikeajet.com. We've got the 2021 NFL free agency tracker. So that's there if you want to keep track of all the moves that are going on around the league. And then we've got individual stories for everything that the Jets have been up to. We talked about Trey Hendrickson. We had a couple of stories there and some data points courtesy of our friend Drew Gear over at the Rockpile Report. We've got write-ups on the Jared Davis signing, the Corey Davis signing, and the Carl Lawson signing, and Luke Grant made a really good video, a one-minute recap you can watch. It has clips, too, from the All-22 of Corey Davis at wide receiver last year for the Tennessee Titans. And as Luke joked to me earlier, Corey Davis, good at football, who knew? Well, apparently the Jets did, and that's why they gave him that contract. So all that and more up right now over at playlikeajet.com. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.